Welcome to our expository series on the letter to the Romans. Last week we began the series with a sermon entitled, The Gospel, because Romans is about the gospel. It is about Jesus Christ. And we learned last week that Jesus Christ is the gospel. It's about the righteousness of God in Christ. That word righteousness is all through the book of Romans. Today, today we're going to take a closer look now at Paul's prayer of thanksgiving and his petition to finally visit the church in Rome. So turn in Romans 1, 8 through 15, Romans chapter 1 in your Bible, verses 8 to 15. And this sermon this morning is entitled, Gospel Fruit. Last week's sermon, the gospel. This week's sermon, gospel fruit. And as you turn in the text, let me remind you that we have Bibles here in the back, on this table in the back, by the front door. And if you don't own a Bible, if you're a guest, please feel free to take one. That's our gift to you. But I just encourage you to find this text in your Bible. Turn to it. And as I read it, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Read along with me silently. Let's let the Word of God speak to our hearts. <clears throat> First... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brother, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. For I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. If you grew up in the English-speaking Caribbean, then you know this fruit as soursop. If you grew up in Portuguese-speaking Brazil, you know it as graviola. And if you grew up in the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, you would know it as guanabana. Now, if you have visited the Fonsecas in Matanzas, Cuba, during guanabana season, one word comes to mind right now, champola, which is what they call a guanabana shake. Blanquita makes this most amazingly flavorful and refreshing drink, and I can honestly tell you that it is the best I have ever had. Some have described the flavor of the guanabana as a combination of strawberry and pineapple with citrus flavor notes, contrasting with an underlying creamy taste reminiscent of coconut or banana. Now, church, As great as that may sound to some of you, it does not begin to approximate the pure deliciousness of guanabana. So is there a point, Al? 
other than making my mouth water and tempting me to total distraction over this delicious fruit? Yes, here's the point. Just like the guanabana tree bears this delicious fruit that refreshes and satisfies one's thirst for nourishment, so the gospel, the gospel bears delicious fruit that refreshes and satisfies one's soul with life-giving nourishment. Here's the main message. The main point of the message is this. The gospel root produces gospel fruit. The gospel root produces gospel fruit. And Jesus Christ is the gospel root. We learned that last week. And he produces gospel fruit in the lives of those who have repented and believed on him. Friends, the book of Romans is about the gospel. It is about Jesus Christ, who is the righteousness of God. He is the one who changes the roots of our lives, that is our hearts, so that in him we might bear the fruit of the gospel, which brings great glory to God. Now for that to happen, we must drink in the gospel like spiritual champola, so that we would be transformed. Here's the question. Have you tasted the refreshing goodness of the gospel fruit? Have you taken a good long drink? Not just a little sip, but a mouthful, a gulp of the gospel. Now, now when I showed, please put the fruit back up there. When I showed the picture of the guanabana, some folks' mouths watered immediately. Why? Because they had tasted this delicious fruit. Others of you recognize the fruit but you've never tasted it. You've not experienced that mouth-watering sensation at all. And still others of you who have never even seen the fruit and have no idea what it was, you weren't sure if that was a fruit or not. It looked like some big gnarly ball hanging from a tree. Which one describes you, church? Have you drunk in the sweet fruit of the gospel? The gospel Producing in you a mouth-watering anticipation for this sermon from Romans? Or are you like those who recognize the fruit? You know all the words. You've been here week in and week out. You may have been born here. But your mouth is not watering. Because you've never tasted it, friend. Or are you in the final group? You don't recognize the gospel. You've never really even seen it. You have no idea what it is. By the way, thank you for coming if that's you. Dear friend, if you've never tasted the sweet fruit of the gospel, either because of ignorance or indifference, you can drink it in this morning. You can know the mouth-watering, heart-transforming joy of the gospel as you listen to it and ask God for the faith to believe it and watch Him transform your life through Jesus Christ who is the gospel. And I want us to pray to that end right now. Lord God, I pray that you would, Lord, that you would cause us to thirst for this gospel. Lord, that you would cause our mouths to water. That you would give us anticipation for this word in Romans. That you would bring us upright in our chairs. That you would silence the cell phones. That you would silence the talking. That you would silence the texting. You would silence the distractions. That people would say, I've got to have that. I can't live without That, starting with me, because I am so often 
satisfied with far less, distracted by everything else. Oh, God, capture our attention. And for those that are sitting here going, but, 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 but Al, I, I want it, but I just don't know. I don't feel anything. I don't understand it. God, would you come today? Open their hearts. Open their minds. Lord, just fall upon them, Spirit of God, through the word being preached and encourage their souls. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage reveals Paul's faith in the gospel. The gospel root to produce gospel fruit. He was so convinced of this that he couldn't wait to get to Rome to preach the gospel and to reap the fruit of the gospel. To that end, he prays, and we have his prayer right here in these verses. He starts off in his prayer by thanking God. But the point I want to make, in fact, the first point of the message is this. He prays to the Father in the name of the Son because the Son, Jesus Christ, is the gospel root. Point one, Jesus Christ is the gospel root. In verse 8, if you will please look at verse 8, you will see here that Paul informs the Romans. Now remember, he wrote this letter when he was in Greece, a place called Corinth, modern-day Greece. He's writing to the church in Rome, modern-day Italy. And this is around the late 50s A.D., at the end of his third missionary journey as a seasoned pastor, missionary, apostle. And he's writing this letter, but he'd never been to Rome. He doesn't know these people. So look at verse 8. He says to them, I thank God for your faith. But he thanks God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Here we see Paul's personal relationship with God. What does he say? I thank my God. And that personal relationship with Jesus Christ made possible exclusively, excuse me, that personal relationship with God made possible exclusively through Jesus Christ. Why did he write these words this way? Because he wanted to remind us of the truth that Jesus Christ is the gospel. He wanted us to know that it's only through Jesus Christ that one can say, my God. That one can pray to my God. That one can have access to my God. Jesus Christ, the gospel root, produces the gospel fruit of a personal relationship with God. God will not be just a force, an idea, something you have to fear, someone that you would ask for things of, kind of like a a heavenly butler or, or an impersonal force. No, God is your father through Jesus Christ. That's fruit of the gospel. That's fruit of the gospel. Now, what did Paul thank God for? Why was he so thankful? Well, look at the verse. He was so thankful because... Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. What does that mean? It means this. That the whole world had heard of the Romans' faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord. In fact, word had gone out through the entire Roman Empire that this church in the capital city, Rome, had bowed its knee not to Caesar as Lord, but to Jesus Christ as Lord. Doug Moo says it this way, that people in the Roman capital had bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus is something that would be widely known and perhaps highlighted by the early 
missionaries. See, Paul's thanksgiving for the Romans, for their faith being proclaimed throughout the world, then led him to pray in verses 9 to 15 that God would permit him to travel to Rome. You see, in verses 9 and 10, we see that the gospel is the center of Paul's life. We talked about that last week. The gospel defined Paul. The gospel fueled Paul's prayer. Look at the key phrase in verse 9. The gospel of his son. You see that? Verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. See, Paul defined his life, and his sphere of ministry by this gospel concerning God's Son. Paul's service, see where it says there, I serve with my spirit? That just means I serve with everything that is within me. My life is de- defined by this. This isn't a hobby. This is, this is actually, actually that term there, I serve, that Greek word, carries with it the idea of worship. He's saying, this is who I am, and I worship God as I serve The gospel of his son. That's what he's saying there. Now Paul was was an apostle to the the, uh, Gentiles. As it says in verse 1, he was an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. He would have been very anxious to visit this church in the very capital of the empire filled with Gentile Christians. He wanted to let them know in verse 10, that he really was praying without ceasing that he might be able to come and visit them. The gospel motivated this Jew who lived most of his life in the eastern Mediterranean, Jerusalem, Antioch, Syria. It motivated this Jew who lived primarily in the eastern Mediterranean and and served Jews to pray without ceasing. Do you see that in verse 10? Always in my prayers, at the end of verse 9, that without ceasing, I mention you, verse 10, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. This Jew prays without ceasing to God that he be allowed to make the long and dangerous trip to Rome in the western end of the Mediterranean, which back then, that was a big deal. That was the world back then. There's your world. Paul was in the eastern part, Rome's in the western part. Paul prayed to go to Rome. Why? Why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, this is gospel fruit produced by Jesus, the gospel root, in Paul's life. And that's point two. Jesus Christ produces gospel fruit. Fruit. Jesus Christ produces gospel fruit. Look at verse 11a. For I long to see you. I long to see you. Not only just to see you, but I long to see you to impart, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Paul longed to see the Romans. I'm moved by the fact that he unceasingly, passionately prayed to God to be able to see the Romans, whom he had never met, so that he might impart to the Romans the gospel message in order to strengthen them. Here's the application. The gospel changes us, friends, and it motivates us to want to be involved with others, even those very different from us, for their benefit, to bring them the refreshing gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, may Jesus produce in us, may Jesus produce in us passionate, 
prayers. Passionate prayers. Paul prayed without ceasing. He longed. That's passionate praying. Passionate prayers to impart the gospel message to others. That's part of the gospel fruit that Jesus, the gospel root, produces in us. Now look at the little preposition for at the beginning of verse 11. You see that? For. This little preposition reveals Paul's motive for visiting Rome. It wasn't a vacation or to see the Colosseum. In fact, back then, if you were a Christian, you wanted to avoid the Colosseum. Bad things happened there. No. Here's his purpose, to go to Rome. It was to preach the gospel. And it was to preach the gospel in such a way as to encourage the Romans. Subpoint A. Jesus Christ produces in us the fruit of gospel encouragement. Gospel encouragement. This is what Jesus produces in us. Paul wanted to visit Rome to impart to them some spiritual gift. Look at that in verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. This spiritual gift mentioned here in verse 11 that would strengthen them is the gospel, dear friends. It's the gospel. See, this is what Paul, as the apostle to the Gentiles, was called to do. He was called to take the gospel. I'm an apostle called and set apart for the gospel. So the spiritual gift, friends, is the gift of the apostle. Now, stay with me for a moment. Remember the spiritual gifts include ministry gifts for the church, both spectacular and non-spectacular. Everything. And ministry gifts or offices as gifts to the church. Remember Ephesians 4. Jesus gives gifts to the church. They're gifts of the Spirit. And what are they? Pastor, teacher, apostle, evangelist, prophet. In this sense, the spiritual gift that he longs to give is the gift of the apostle. He's an apostle gifted to the church, coming with what? What do apostles come with? Their own word? No, the gospel. So he says, I want to come with this spiritual gift, the gospel, so that it might strengthen you. See, the gospel is what strengthens us. That word strengthen, that Greek word strengthen there in verse 11, could also be translated establish you. See, Paul knew that only the gospel, only the gospel properly taught, properly received, properly applied, can strengthen or establish the church. Build the church. This church must be a church built by proper gospel proclamation, by the gifts of God to the church. Yes, the pastors, the teachers. By the gifts of God to the church. We're going to see in a moment that Paul came to be encouraged in his own faith. Your gifts There are primary teaching and preaching gifts. They are gifts to the church so that the gospel would be preached properly. But then there's gifts to the church. And as these gifts flow, centered on the gospel, then the church is strengthened. It's established. It's encouraged. Look at verse 12. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. What is Paul doing here? He's not just saying, listen, I want to strengthen Palm Vista by coming to the pulpit as the man of God, the gift of God to this church, and preaching the gospel that you might be strengthened, little underlings. 
It's not Paul. It's not my heart. I'm Al. Called by God to preach the gospel. I pray to be a gift to the church as a pastor. I didn't ask for this call. He called me. But it's a serious call. I take it seriously. But I also come as Al to community group that Sergio Mora leads. And I come on Wednesday nights. Some might argue I have no choice because it's in my home. But I come anyways. And don't go there. I know what you're thinking. But I come as Al and I say, strengthen me, guys. Encourage me. Look at verse 12. Paul pauses right in the middle of things. I'm coming to bring and impart a spiritual gift as the apostle with the gospel of Jesus Christ to strengthen you, dash. Um, that is, um, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. See, the strengthening is two ways. It is to be mutually encouraging through one man's faith, that is Paul's faith, and the Romans' faith in the same gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ. Look at this quote by Colin Cruz. It was not only Paul's faith and his understanding of the gospel that would strengthen the relationship. Oh, it was that. It can't be less than that. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than just sitting in a room and listening to someone teach you. It's got to be that. You hear me say that? Read my lips. It has to be that. But it's got to be the other because of this verse 12. Not only that, but also his exposure to the faith of the Roman believers. A faith that he says earlier had been spoken about all over the world. Must have been a pretty vibrant faith. Amen? Friends, we need strengthening. And that strengthening comes through the gift of preaching and teaching of the gospel, yes. But it comes through the fellowship that we share. This is what happens on Sunday mornings. This is what happens during the week at community groups. This is what happens on Friday night, where I know last Friday uh, David preached and taught at Catalyst Youth. This is what happens at the Equip College and Career Meetings. Yes, it happens at other times. It happens privately. But the rationale for creating these meetings isn't just to have a meeting. It isn't just tradition. No, it is this passage here. It is we've got to be built on the gospel. There's got to be a place where someone preaches the gospel, gifted by God, with the Holy Spirit, and we're listening, we're saying, preach it, brother. I'm anxious to hear it. My mouth is watering for chambola right now. Because I'm a Christian. This is more important than the ball game, even if the Gators are playing, which they were on Wednesday night. (laughs) I did sneak a peek before group, okay? Um, See, these contexts are where we impart spiritual gifts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to strengthen one another and establish one another in the faith. I would maintain that without regular attendance at these meetings, your faith cannot be fully strengthened as God intends. Look at this quote by Thomas Schreiner, another excellent commentary on Romans. What inspires and fortifies other believers is when they perceive faith in other Christians. It's exactly what happened last Wednesday night at my house when dear Patty, when dear Patty, who just had beautiful little Emily and has suffered greatly with problems with her foot, and dear Patty and Nelson were sharing their walk of faith. Right here, what inspired and fortified me, Al Pino, the pastor. (laughs) 
who's like, ah, it's Wednesday, (laughs) was seeing the faith of these folks, seeing other believers trust God in the course of everyday life, reminds us that God is indeed faithful and encourages us to trust Him as well. That's how a church is established and strengthened in the gospel. Right there. See, Jesus produces in us this fruit of gospel encouragement that then leads, subpoint B, to gospel growth. Gospel growth. Look at verse 13. In verse 13, Paul, Paul, isn't this good? I mean, this is, this is some good guanabana, isn't it? Okay. But verse 13, Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you. So Paul intends to come to them. He reminds them, he affirms, hey, look, I want to come to you. Now look why he wants to come to them. This is really the gospel growth. This is that fruit of gospel growth. So that, verse 13, I have tended to come to you, parentheses, but thus far have not have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest. Harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. That English word harvest is translated from the Greek word karpos. Karpos. And that Greek word karpos has a range of meaning. It can be translated by several different English words. Here it's translated by the word harvest. We're going to see in a moment elsewhere that it's translated by the English word fruit. So you could translate that harvest or fruit. I believe what Paul's saying is here. He's saying, I'm looking to reap fruit. Gospel fruit. Arising from the gospel root. And that's why I want to travel. I want to preach that gospel. I want to see the gospel fruit produced by the gospel root. Now, what was this gospel fruit that Paul meant to reap in Romans, as we see here in verse 13? Well, it certainly started with an increase in the number of Christians through evangelization among the Romans. Paul was looking to reap the fruit of lives converted converted to Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Definitely. And friends, as we faithfully proclaim the gospel of God, as we faithfully proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, I want us to have faith that gospel fruit in the form of conversions will come forth. I want us to have that faith. I want us to believe that the gospel root, Jesus Christ, produces gospel fruit, real conversions, as we declare his word. But Paul was also looking to reap the fruit of another kind of gospel growth, the growth of Christians who would be established or strengthened in their faith through the gospel. Paul wanted to impart, remember, some spiritual gift so that they would be strengthened. We know that that, what he wanted to impart was the gospel. We know the strengthening was that they would grow in grace. We see that in verse 11. But we also see this idea in another letter that Paul wrote, In the letter to the Philippians, in Philippians 1, 22a and 25, where Paul used the same Greek word karpos to describe his labor in the Lord and what it produced. If you would please display that verse. Thank you. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful karpos labor. Fruitful karpos labor for me. Now he describes what that fruit is. Convinced of this, verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. There's the karpos. There's there's the fruit. I've come laboring. I'm going to labor. I'm going to work hard. Ergon is the Greek word there. We get the word 
I don't know what word we get from that. But it, it's, it's bad when you do that. Uh, but, but this fruitful labor, this, this work that he does, is going to produce in them progress and joy in the faith. Progress and joy in the faith. Clearly, the fruit that Paul was looking to harvest among the Romans was the fruit of their progress and joy in the faith through the preaching of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. He's, he's, he's going to preach it to everybody. So I am eager, verse 15, to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This is the theme, really. This launches, this verse right here launches us into the, the sermon next week, the very theme of the book of Romans, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of God that's the power of God for salvation. Paul's saying, I'm eager to preach this gospel. And then in, next week in verses 16 and 17, he's going to just explore it. He's going to throw it out there. It's going to be a great sermon. But back to this sermon. In verses 14 and 15, Paul concluded his prayer by stating his obligation to preach the gospel to the Gentiles based on his call as the apostle to the Gentiles. Because of his call and his faith in the one who called him, Paul was eager to preach the gospel to those in Rome. We don't have Paul's call as an apostle. No one has that. But... We do share his call to preach the gospel. Matthew 28. And we share his faith in the one who called us. Paul was eager to preach the gospel because Paul had faith in God that his gospel was powerful to produce fruit amongst all kinds of people. Look at verse 14. That, that, that it spans the horizon of the kinds of people that would have lived in Rome irrespective of their ethnic background, their nationality, their language, or their education. Here's the question for application. Do we have that kind of faith in the gospel of God? Do we have faith in Jesus Christ? Do we believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, irrespective, friends, here in South Florida, of their neighborhood, the neighborhood they live in, irrespective of the music they listen to, so that sometimes you get to listen to it too because their windows are down. Irrespective of the language that they speak, or the nation they come from, or the education they have or don't have, do we have faith that the gospel will produce fruit in believers? Members of Palm Vista. And based on that faith, are we eager to preach the gospel and share God's word with one another this afternoon at lunch? In a week at your community group? When you gather with someone for coffee? Does our faith in the gospel motivate us to attend community group with fresh anticipation of what God will do? What fruit will God produce tonight as we share the word, as we preach the gospel, as we strengthen one another, as we encourage one another for gospel growth? See, God is here this morning to give us that faith. I think often we don't go because we lack the faith. We don't preach because we lack the faith. We doubt. It's a fight of faith. But he's here this morning to give us that faith, to give you faith that his gospel, that his gospel, that Jesus Christ produces gospel fruit. And as you receive that faith, you will be as eager as Paul was to preach the gospel. Paul was eager, verse 15, to preach the gospel to those in Rome. Oh, friends, may we be eager to preach the gospel to those in South Florida. So how 
do we do that? How, how do we diligently preach the gospel? If the gospel root is Jesus Christ and he produces in us gospel fruit, and part of that gospel fruit is, is, is gospel growth, which comes from proclamation of it, as we diligently proclaim the gospel. How do we do that in South Florida? What does that look like, Al? Well, I think it starts with preaching it to ourselves. I think it starts with getting up in the morning and saying, wow, I'm thirsty. I wonder wonder what this is going to taste like this morning. I wonder what fruit it's going to produce in me today. Let's go. Let's preach it. Let's pray it. Let's sing it. It's a great CD with the songs from Romans. I think that it certainly has to include speaking with unbelievers at work or in your family. I think that it's going to include having faith to speak it to one another when we go to various meetings. I think it it, it continues around the dinner table when everybody comes home. Certainly I'm preaching it to others in my community group, Bible 45, Catalyst Youth Ministry, Equip, College and Career. I think it includes all of that. Here's what I think God would want us to hear. When we expect gospel fruit, then we see gospel proclamation not as a duty but as a privilege as a fruitful activity and we do it with anticipation of what god will do kind of like a kid at christmas wondering what gifts gifts lie underneath the tree eager to open them we will always be aware that god is working in that person in that person in me through the faithful preaching of the gospel and i wonder what god's going to do today I think it's, it's the mindset that, that, when we, that when we go to these contexts or when we're thinking of going to these contexts or when we plan our family activities so we can be at these contexts, we are sharing with ourselves and with our children. We're saying, hey, guess what? We get to go to this meeting with a pocket full of guanabinas, big gnarly guanabinas, or with a tray filled with glasses of cool, refreshing champola. And when we get there, Kids, let's be ready to share the fruit of the gospel, which Jesus Christ, the root of the gospel, has produced in our lives. Let's get ready to share that to refresh somebody, to strengthen somebody, to encourage somebody. And let's get ready to taste some of their champola or whatever fruit you like that they're bringing to the table, that they're bringing to the meeting, that God's producing in their lives, that I get to eat and enjoy The juice of it's running down my mouth and going, ah, that's so good. Because you know what? We need refreshment and strengthening and encouragement in a world that's pretty darn discouraging and exhausting. Let us attend ready to bring the fruit of the gospel in our lives and receive the fruit of the gospel in others' lives.